Welcome to CEF Insights, your source for closed-end fund information and education, brought to you by the Closed-End Fund Association. My name is Diane Merritt. Today we are joined again by Tom Rossine, Head of Research Services with Lipper from Affinitiv and author of the Fund Market Insight Report, which provides in-depth monthly commentary on the closed-end fund market. We are happy to have you with us today, Tom. Thanks for having me, Diane. Good to be here. Tom, you recently published your report covering February 2020. You study over 500 closed-end and interval funds regarding performance, premiums, and discounts in corporate activity. Since we spoke last month, there has obviously been a significant increase in market volatility. What has been the general impact on closed-end funds, and has this been similar to what we see in the broader market? Uh, it is, and in, in some cases, a little bit more severe. Not only did we have a market downturn towards month end, but uh, that usually exacerbates uh, closed-end fund uh, returns as well. I mean, we had some good news at the beginning of the month. You know, we hit new records with the Dow and the S&P. Uh, we heard non-far payrolls came in better than expected, 225 versus 165. We heard the Central Bank of China was injecting money to help with the breakout of the coronavirus and the like, and I think people initially thought that that was a good thing, but then we heard about the spread of COVID-19 among their neighbors, and then later on in the month in Italy and and other places, and even hitting here in the U.S. And so we saw the markets go into correction territory, and I think everybody listening to this podcast knows the correction is usually 10% decline from its top, Uh, and certainly uh, in last week of the month, we saw uh, 12 and 13% declines from the top as investors not only were concerned about the coronavirus, but also heard some very discouraging news about oil prices and that the relationship between Saudi and Russia uh, that we're going to do an oil production cut uh, was falling to pieces. And so I think it sent the market into a uh, tizzy of sorts. Your data breaks out closed-end funds into over 20 classifications. What classifications were the best performing for the month and which sectors struggled? Well, we saw that equity closed-end funds actually suffered their largest one-month decline if we look at NAV basis, it was since September 30th, 2011, declined about 6.90%. So equity funds got crushed in that manner. And I think it's going to be worse here this month unless we can get some reversal going on. But anyways, uh, for February, uh, on a market basis, it was their worst month return since February 28, 2009. We saw an 11.12% decline for equity funds. And then if we take a look at fixed income funds, things were not quite as dour. Obviously, uh, we put up uh, just a 0.15% return for uh, closed-end fixed income funds. It's our fourth consecutive month. They've seen plus uh, returns, again, only to the tune of 0.15%. But we also saw that on a market basis, they actually suffered their worst return in 13 months and actually posting a negative return of 3.25%. So the prior 13 months, they were on a winning streak, no negative returns from uh, on a market basis. But this time we saw a minus 3.25%. Uh, as investors really put the risk off a flight to safety. And, and so we saw treasuries and, and higher quality bonds do better. Uh, but interesting enough, we didn't see gold uh, rally. Um, actually, there was a, for the month, near month, gold prices dropped about 1.19% for the month. And the reason I think people were concerned there, and, and we, we didn't see a lot of movement, is treasury yield actually declined to 1.13%. It's the lowest on record. And it remained inverted uh, with the three-month treasury bill basically going to one27 in the 10-month 
Treasury bill being at 1.13. So I think people are a little confused on what's going on. I would have thought we would have had a big move in bond funds, but we didn't. But let's take a break out of all the classifications of the breakouts that did best. So you had asked what did best, what did worse. Well, domestic equity funds took it on the chin. They were down 7.68% for the month uh, for all the entire equity universe. Only 21 closed-in funds had plus-side performance, so it was not a good month for anybody. Mixed-asset funds were down 4.66%. World equity funds were down 0.65%. So if we take a look at kind of the best performers, those that had an income tilt to it, uh, real estate funds mitigated losses better. They were only down 2.46%. Convertible securities were down 4.58%. And income and preferred stocks did 4.69%. But as you might imagine, remember I told you there was this meltdown, if you will. I think it was a somewhat 17% decline in oil prices, we saw that the Energy Master Limited Partnership funds actually suffered for the second month in a row negative returns, but to the tune of 17.40%. This was a precursor, by the way. I think everybody knows that oil just got crushed after that. It went from like $46 a barrel down to 30s this month and last week or so. But natural resources funds were down 12.26%. Utility funds were down uh, 9.8%. But again, if we take a look at fixed income side, you know, and those investors and a lot of people are looking for a yield here. And so fixed income is a common asset bought in. Closed in funds, domestic fixed income funds were down 1.23. Uni bond funds marvelously were up 2.12%. And world bond funds were down 1.55. So really, again, this risk-off thing, we saw emerging market debt down to the bottom, uh, losing about 2.64%. Uh, High-yield uh, leverage funds down 1.7%. And California munis and most of the munis. In fact, all of the munis for the fifth month in a row had plus-side performance. Their best performance, California, was 2.35%. And general insured munis bond funds leverage were up 234 So that was quite a story there. Is this a change in what you have seen in the previous months? It is. There is some change, and obviously it's with you know the, the same thing I told you, the second month in Royal Energy Master Limited Partnerships were just crushed, and natural resources have been towing a very tough line here. But we are seeing, again, investors going towards, and this is where the change has been. Everybody's been really kind of in a go-go attitude. I think people are really stomping on the brakes, and when we talk a little bit later about premium and discounts, you'll see why I'm saying that uh, it has changed considerably in how investors are responding to some of these big declines, but in, in particular also, uh, you know, why they might be even moving towards muni bond funds and other secure debt type of uh, securities. Are you seeing these trends carry over into March? We are, and, and this is what I made reference to a little bit earlier. One of the biggest, uh, I think maybe an indicator for us was when we saw the markets really take a dip in energy, uh, MLPs, uh, natural resources funds uh, really take it on the chin. That might have been a little bit of a precursor, a teller for us. You know, we said, okay, this was due to the agreement between Russia and basically, let's call it OPEC. It was really Saudi Arabia, but, you know, they were going to agree to cut their production out uh, there. But what happened is we really have uh, the coronavirus actually causing uh, the decline in demand for oil on a global basis. And so this has really caused that landslide. Uh, so this is something that uh, we are seeing definitely reach over uh, into the month, month of March. We've seen wild swings, and uh, certainly uh, the other day we saw you know an 8% decline in the market in one day. It's the biggest since 2008. So this is something that we're keeping an eye on. Closed-end funds can trade at a premium or discount to net asset value. What were the trends in premium discount behavior? 
So the median discount for all closed-end funds, is, I think we all would expect, with a you know big market volatility and a decline, it widened at 313 basis points or got worse by 313 basis points and declined to 8.08%. That was the median of all closed-end funds that we're taking a look at. And basically, if we take a look at the 12-month moving average of 6.75, that's one of the issues that, that we probably take a look at is that the median discount is worse than over the last 12 months. And let me give you a particular uh, equity closed-end funds were wider by 232 basis points down to 7.72 and fixed income were wider by 368 basis points to 837. Again, this is in anticipation, I think, of, of people worrying about uh, the Fed cutting rates, or actually they wanted the Fed to cut rates, and, and then uh, obviously we now know they did a surprise 50 basis point cut. But I think that was in anticipation of uh, not only you know worrying about the coronavirus, but also uh, in anticipation of the Fed cutting rates and central banks getting involved. How do premiums and discounts compare to their historical averages? Well, we had uh, this month 90% of all funds see their either their premium decline or their discount steepen or worsen. So that is a big change. And in fact, uh, in January, when we last talked, there was 113 closed-end funds that were in premium territory. For the month of February, there was only 61. So we've seen almost a halving of premium discounts. Uh, funds in premium territory actually have uh, during the month of February. So this has been a pretty big change. Which sector saw the greatest change? So world income uh, actually witnessed the largest widening of discounts. It was 437 basis points uh, to 6.68%. And every single uh, group actually suffered very widening of discounts. So I really don't have one that I can say this did better, uh, but I can tell you which had the largest change, and it was certainly world income funds. Tom, are there sectors where investors may find particular opportunities, given where those funds are trading relative to their historical averages? You know, I think that we are going to see some buying opportunities. I think some of this is baby with the bathwater. The market just hates uncertainty. And uh, in the closed-end fund space, one of the things that, you know, that we worry about is not only do we have to worry about our the underlying portfolio, right, uh, being, you know, priced at it, and that's what we get our NAV returns on, but then how the – so we, we get a decline with that, but then also how the decline uh, will impact closed-end fund trading uh, behavior. So I, I think that we're going to see, you know, like energy MLPs literally have taken it on the chin over the last two months. And this is one of those situations where, again, I think we need to wait for the dust to settle, but, you know, how long do you wait? Um, I think we we see things in the natural resources, energy, MLPs, natural resources, and even maybe some of the commodity-linked funds that uh, may have some opportunity going forward. Tom, you also follow interval funds, which differ somewhat from traditional closed-end funds. How has the market volatility impacted interval funds? So this is a, it's an interesting question. This is uh, one of the I kind of answered a little bit uh, in the uh, in the question before, but it's it's very uh, opportune to pay attention to the structural differences between interval funds and a conventional closed end fund. They don't have to worry. They being the portfolio manager and also even uh, the people owning the uh, the interval fund don't have to worry about premium discount behavior. Again, we have a big market decline, the underlying portfolio declines, but then as closed-end fund investor, the price is actually based on supply and demand. And if people keep dumping, they might even have bigger discounts. In fact, we know they do. So I think this was actually a boon for uh, interval funds, and it keeps 
the market participants may be in check. Let's say it's a quarterly refunding. Uh, a lot of a lot of the interval funds will say we will do redemptions on a quarterly basis. This may give people enough time to actually go through a breather if this doesn't turn out to be a true 2008 where we lose 45% and stays off for a year. If this is a bounce, they may be able to avoid some of the temptation to sell during some of the biggest market downturns we've seen in ages. A characteristic of interval funds is a more limited degree of liquidity. Can this actually benefit investors in the type of market environment we are in currently? So there's a double-edged sword there. So uh, as I made reference, so it, it may stop people from pulling the trigger at an opportune time. But on the flip side, this is one of the downfalls that we have as well. If you can only do redemptions on a quarterly basis and the market is on its downward spiral and you wanted to get out, and it's one of the reasons people use closed-end funds rather than, let's say, mutual funds you can trade constantly on a given day, they lose that opportunity to pull out quickly. Again, that's a double-edged sword. So this could help them avoid some unneeded losses selling at, at a low but additionally, if you wanted to get out and you felt this was going to be long-term in nature, you know, something akin to what we saw in the 2000-2003 market decline or even in the 2008 market decline, this may be one of those things you say, darn, I couldn't sell and that's really stopped me. So again, double-edged sword, but I see it as actually a silver lining for investors. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Diane, thanks for having me. And we want to thank you for tuning in to another CEF Insights podcast. For more educational content, please visit our website, www.cefa.com.